Hi again, everybody. This is Tom Oglesby. Welcome to the chatter for episode number 36. We're recording on Monday, the 28th of March in the year of our Lord, 2022. And we begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious gracious Virgin Virgin Mary, Mary, that that never was it known that that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. we got a great show lined up today. Brad Markham's back in the house here along with uh, Brad Miller, Colleen. I know. How's your fog? It's down to a mist. Okay. Last week you were foggy. I've been diagnosed with spiritual cyber attack. I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Well, it's not contagious. I know that. (laughs) It's making a good confession. (laughs) He he picked up the graphene oxide. Yeah. (laughs) We got tremendous feedback on last week's show. Good. Well, Brad Miller's daughters are angels. We uh, we almost didn't let him go home, Brad Miller. <laughs> what a, what a deal that was! Such a blessing to hear them in church and then actually have it recorded. Now, uh, you know that I always I tell his girls that it, they were part of drawing me into the traditional Latin mass because of the beauty of their singing. So. Mm. You've been led astray by a lot of women over the years, oh, Brad. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Hope Laura didn't hear good, that. Good, You'll have good, to answer to her. Good, good to see that some of them have brought you back to the narrow path <laughs> doing that here. We'll have to segment those, uh, you know, because what was it, eight or ten songs, Miller? Something like that, yeah. yeah. One better than the next here. And it looked like they could have sang for another hour. Mm-hmm. Got to get them to do the rosary, though. Yeah. I, I think uh, that's next on the list. We got uh, tremendous feedback. It's on the website, kcrd-fm.org. You can hear the podcast, which is the chatter. That was episode 35, so look for that for the uh, Miller Group. Got some headlines this week, Colleen. What do, I, what do you want to dive into first? Well, we've got local news and national news, but I uh, locally I saw that... Um, you know, the synods have all been turned in, or the surveys, excuse me, the surveys have all been sent in. And uh, and then the archbishop came out on March 4th with a statement, can be found on their website, mm-hmm. related to gathering for prayer outside of Holy Mass. So I don't know if our listeners saw his document. What are the highlights? Well, one of the highlights is, you know, he starts out by saying that one sign of an authentic follower of Jesus and so also of an active community of believers such as a parish is to say daily prayers and worship at Sunday Mass. And I thought that was an interesting way to open it given that we just all turned in our surveys and we were asked about daily Mass, Sunday Mass, is that a sign of a vibrant parish? But what he goes on to say in this, which I think is the most interesting, is he talks about something called SCAP. It's an acronym, and it stands for Sunday Celebrations in the Absence of a Priest. So if your parish doesn't have a priest, um, this thing called SCAP um, might happen on a Sunday in your church. Um, 
he's got a, little, a few rules around scap like you know it's it uh it can only happen on a sunday not just on a regular day only if there's no priest there but a couple disturb what can happen this scap sunday celebrations in the absence of a priest so it can be led by a deacon or it says a lay leader let's see they're called a where's the term a commissioned lay leader of prayer. Prayer in absence of the sacrifice. Right. And so one of the things that, and this came out right on the heels of something that he put on Facebook about this very same thing, um, because he was talking to the parishioners of um, just west of here, Manchester, Delhi, Ryan, Masonville, you know, mm -hmm. one priest, four parishes. And so if, if the priest isn't at your particular parish on a Sunday, then, you know, you can legitimately use SCAP. But Le legitimate in what context? He says it's a legitimate use of SCAP uh, is when one priest takes care of more parishes than he can accommodate on a weekend or there's no priest assigned there. But the problem is, um, first of all, these per particular parishes he was mentioning in the Facebook post, they're 10 miles apart. Mm-hmm. That's nothing. Can people not drive 10 miles to whatever church is having Mass that day? Yeah, carpool, right. drive, hitchhike. Right. You know, it's not like we uh, were in Alaska, you know, where they had to fly the priests in because it was 500 miles to the next. But go back, hit rewind here. What yeah. what what does the context of legitimate mean? Does that, does that mean it satisfies the Sunday obligation? That's what he says. Miller, is that how you read it? That's how I read it. That's what he says. And legitimate use is if a priest has more than one parish and he can't accommodate everybody on the weekend. But, you know, the problem is pretty soon you're going to get women up there leading the congregation in prayer, right? Well, I don't need to second guess, uh, but I'd, I'd like to see something in, in uh, canon law. I'm sure it's there because think of all the mission territories where there's no, or even think, um, Maza Kelly comes to mind, you know, where all right, I get that. he's traveling. So I'm sure, and the bishop has the authority to do that, so... And he did allude to this last fall, maybe. He was talking about how they operate in South America and how that might be a model for what we use here. But they've been talking about SCAP for over 20 years. They were talking about it between the year 2000 and 2003. Hmm. So it's been in the works for a while. Um, and if you ask me, um, it's a way to and get we, around... And we, and we are asking her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a way to get around um, a Sunday Mass. Because who can't drive 10 miles to wherever the Mass happens to be taking place that weekend? Um, so, and you know what it will happen is people go, oh, I like Carol's service better than Father so-and-so because it's faster and, you know, it, it doesn't take as long and, and I can get out and about my way. That's what's going to happen. Yep. And people where there is Mass that weekend will be driving over to the Scat place, right? Uh, yep big can of worms i think one thing that jumped out at me in the bottom of that of that document was uh there those are also reasons why gathering for prayer outside of worship with the community in church when we're able is always preferable to an on-screen mass and my my first thought was 
who pushed us to on-screen mass. Yeah. Yep. Can't we break out the Jesus bus or something like that? I mean, if, right? if we got if we got four clustered parishes, if that's the correct terminology, mm-hmm. I might be a document behind in that. But uh, I mean, can't somebody just get a a bus together? Can, can you imagine going to Jesus and saying, "Oh yeah, you were ten miles away, so you know I had oh football." God. Well, to you walk just talked about Mazza <laughs> Kelly. What what? I mean, the stories of Mazza Kelly going where he s- went six hundred miles. To get a confession as as the with, priest on horseback, yeah, but wow. but but can you imagine what Matthias Loris and Samuel Mazzacelli hmm. did? How many people? I mean, they were missionaries. They went to the people, but only in a central location. On any given Sunday, how far did they travel to see Mazzacelli? My wife's parents told a story about uh, I don't know how long ago this would have been, but there was somebody that was on their way to mass at Sacred Heart Fillmore. And they were on horseback, and mm. it was it was winter. They didn't make it. They actually died on the way to mass. So you're that's the way I want to go. You're imagine wow. facing Jesus then. Yeah, you just died for me. It's basically a martyr. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But you know, my thought on this is, I've always struggled with, you know, when people talk about going to Protestant, it's a prayer service. It's not a sacrifice. No, I mean they they'll probably have the Eucharist present. The lay minister will probably pull it out of the. You know, um, but uh, to me, it was always kind of like w- with no Eucharist, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a big step on the slippery slope. Yeah. Get co- to Mass. If you need a ride, call us. We'll pick you up. Right. Yeah. 10 Brad's miles. got room. Yeah, I got, well, you got, we're a full. few open seats. Yeah. <laughs> Start pulling a trailer here. How many? Yeah. The Markham here? bus. You know, yeah. Maybe if the economy keeps crashing, that can be my uh, my meal ticket. Is is that working on Sundays if you're driving people to mass? And no, no, no. no. no you're that's, good. You're good. It's a corporal work of transportation. <laughs> Just get a kickback from Father. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was really interesting. That that's uh, the way it's interesting. To be going. Is one way to do it. What Especially else? Especially on the um, heels of the survey it was just turned in. What, it, speaking of that, what's the ETA on that, Markham? The serving? The one we're working on? No. The synod on the synod. On the, synod. the one that was due March 1st that we all had to have back into the archdiocese. I don't know. You guys know? I, I have know. no idea. I just knew it needed to be in by March 1st. Yeah. But I don't know when they're going to say anything. I cut you off. What did you have? Uh, it's gone now. Oh. You always do that to me. Uh. <laughs> Got to be quick. Oh, our survey. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. We're having a survey? Yeah. Trying. Oh, what I was thinking was, so lately St. Benedict has been coming up a lot in my life. And so I've just been looking at Benedictine monasteries. Actually, my family and I traveled recently, and we um, stopped at the Benedictines of Mary and Gower for Mass. And they're, they're Emmy-winning singers, so it's like the most beautiful, you're like, you're with the angels. Um, but anyway, Benedict has been, been coming out to me and it, and as I've studied these traditional orders, traditional Benedictine, um, I found a couple of them that are doing the traditional mass and doing the traditional chant. They, anyway, they're building new buildings because they cannot keep people, they don't have enough room for all the people pouring in. Mm -hmm. So instead of having Susan from the parish council running, running our, our prayer services 
why not try what's working? It's a good point. You got to ask why, not try what's working. I think we know why. Speaking of uh, Benedictine's building buildings, where's the uh, story you had on the uh, nuns who got thrown out? Someone had sent that to us, and um, do you, oh, I, I don't Miller, do you it. have that one? I was trying to look it up. Trying to do that. Where are they from? Some of the nuns of Elmira, but I, I don't know. Is that Elmira, New York? Yeah, let them look it up. What? Go for another okay, headline. Okay, so what another one I've got. Kind of a little. Sad, but little memory here. This past oh, week, yeah. Father Loris Odding passed away. What a great guy. You remember him? I do. Yeah. Do you remember him, Brad? Did I you guys that? He was a character. Yeah. He was such a meek and mild, yeah. um, tall man, 85 years old. He was born on the 4th of July in Little Cascade, eighth of nine kids. And he, to be born on the 4th of July, he was a big history buff. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's why. But he um, died 60 years and one week after he was ordained. Yeah. I think a lot of our listeners might remember him because he taught at Wallard and he taught at... Taught at Loris. Beckman and Loris. And he's written a couple books um, about growing up in Cascade. And then he did a book, five, it took him five years and a thousand pages, but it was called Letters to a Pioneer Bishop. And it was the correspondence of Matthias Loris. So he did that. So he was, and then this was something I didn't know, and maybe other people knew this, but back in 1993, Father Odding received one of the first heart transplants in Iowa. Hmm. After surgery, he was given a five to seven year life expectancy, but he lived 29 years after the transplant. Yeah. Yeah. Great guy. Yeah, so I just thought I'd give a little memory lane for Father Odding. Eternal rest on the Father Odding. And let perpetual light shine upon him. Indeed. So did you find it, Brad? I did, actually, yeah. Um, nuns at an ancient monastery in Perugia, Italy. And there's only um, the five nuns are being punished because they refuse to get jabbed, and that's what the mother revealed. The mother superior revealed? Yeah. And the punishment why? is? They are being dispersed. Yes. Go. Now, I mean, it's small anyway, but... Yeah, so she said, it's it's true. I, I can confirm this is the only explanation they gave me at the end of the apostolic visit. And the visit was a surprise, and it, w- it was a surprise, and it was put forward by Cardinal Bassetti. That just boggles my mind. Boggles the mind. Which means the rest of the nuns in the monasteries are just on pins and needles. I would assume, yeah. Was that a joke about the jab? No. Okay. <laughs> Miller didn't get it right away. <laughs> no, I was frustrated. I'm guessing they're very contemplative and very holy nuns, I would guess. That and probably cloistered. Doesn't it seem to be that that's who Satan hates the most? So. It does. It does. And if they're cloistered, who cares if they got the jab? Right. Indeed. Oh, my. The mother, Catherine, she said that she's, she's not vaccine hesitant. She's rather, she's a, a woman of science. And mm-hmm. she actually worked in the field of scientific research before taking her vows. Oh, wow. So the, she had she had backing. The plot thickens. So if they were dispersed, is that the word that was used? I, I believe so, yeah. Sounds kind of nefarious. Deportation. They so were deported? To a different monastery. Oh. Hmm. But well, they're going to have to get the shot if they go to a different monastery? Two of them are in their 60s, and three of them are in their 80s. So They're going to go to a 
someone who abuses obedience and pushes for what's outside of their jurisdiction. And That's mind-boggling. Of all the problems we have in the church today, really, is that one that you want to, you know, disperse a congregation of nuns over? If you went into a deep sleep in the year 2010 and you just woke up now, you wouldn't know where you were. Well, I mean, really, you have to look at it as spiritual warfare. You know, there's to break up the, those nuns are the people who stay the hand of God. The, mm-hmm. You know, the justice. He's the, so. What do you mean by that? I, we all know what. I don't think a lot of people are understanding what you're talking about. Well, I'm about. saying they they use the vaccine to destroy the those holy souls that are staying the hand of God. What do you mean by they're they're staying the hand of God? So go deeper on that. Just, from, you know, justice, the justice of God is we there's some seers that are saying we're worse than they were at Sodom and Gomorrah's time. And the fact that there are women or men contemplative orders spending their entire day in prayer asking God for mercy, praying in reparation for sins, praying for the salvation of souls, all of that prayer engine behind the scenes is um, on our behalf, right, to to kind of ease God's wrath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Could be. Could be. You're listening to The Chatter. This is FM 98.3 KCRD. You can hear The Chatter in the podcast. Miller, we got to talk about that. We've had a lot of people say, uh, yeah, I hear the podcast on the website, but is it on some of the other uh, podcast services? So we got to have a conversation on that all of a sudden. Colleen's going viral, so we got to oh, get yeah. you out there so you can get canceled. Yeah, you'll be out there for ten minutes. And then... <laughs> that would be a badge of honor. Well, I wasn't thinking of it quite that way here, but <laughs> anyway, just, just leave Colleen's name off it. You might be okay for about fifteen. Yeah, uh, you just can't talk about vaccines. Or yeah. this, or, or that, or, or the, the other. The All right, we'll uh, hit the pause button on that. We'll be right back with segment two on the chatter right after these announcements. We are back in the FM 98.3 KCRD studios. You're listening to The Chatter. Colleen, we've got a couple of veterans back here. We do. It's always glad to have the double Brads back. Yeah. I know you like Brad 1 and Brad 2. I prefer Miller and Markham. It's easier. Women don't go by last names. I know. I've noticed. We just don't do that. No. We don't give one another nicknames either. Guys give nicknames to other guys. Oh. I don't know why that is. I don't know, Freckles. <laughs> when Jesus ran into it with James, and you say the greater and the less, and it was just based on their physical size? Their no, no, it was their age. It was their age. Okay. Yes. We're the same age, so am I yeah. older than you? I don't know. Yeah. Well, you could choose which one wants to be the greater. Yeah. Not he's, a... he's greater. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a couple events coming up here. So we're recording. This is episode 20, uh, excuse me. 36. We're recording on the 28th, which is a Monday, but coming up, this will air this weekend. Over at St. Joseph the Worker, the parish mission, our own Deacon Bill Beaver is doing a healing mission on April 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Starts at 6.30 in the evening here. Um, Here's some of the topics. Why isn't my prayer answered? Why is prayer for healing usually a last resort? And what should prayer for spiritual healing include Deacon Bill Beaver, St. Joseph the Worker Parish Mission 
on April 3rd, which is Sunday, I believe, and then Monday the 4th and the 5th. Do I have those? I should look at the calendar, which is why you gave that to me here. Yes. And at 6.30, you said? 6.30 in the evening. And then the second Sunday of Easter, this is always a big thing. I love this Divine Mercy Mm -hmm. Sunday celebration. Uh, Over at the Church of the Nativity, it's Sunday, April 24th, um, 3 until 4 in the afternoon, Eucharistic Adoration Confessions and the uh, entire litany of of, um, protocols, liturgies for the... uh, Divine Mercy Sunday. That's Nativity, Sunday, April 24th, coming up. A lot of people in Dubuque have devotion to the Divine Mercy. Mm -hmm. Remember years ago, we used to have that down at Sacred Heart Church, Divine Mercy, before it was officially the Sunday. Oh, that's gone back. Yeah. Yeah. A few times. That was nice. Brad Markham had a a, uh, headline here. So we want to talk about Disney. Uh, Disney says it will work with Liberal activist groups to see the Florida parental rights bill signed by DeSantis repealed or struck down in the courts. So can you fill me in because I don't have kids at all, much less in Florida. Can you kind of fill me in on what that bill's about? I think it was just to keep the homosexual propaganda out of the classroom until like third grade. Yeah, it's pretty what? minimal. Yeah. Until third grade? Like that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Isn't that crazy? We got to start with the kindergartners. Oh my goodness! I thought one of the provisions, though, was that parents had not the right to be informed of the uh, subject matter, the syllabus, the curriculum as it relates to this. Do I have that right, Miller? That's what it used to be. Yeah, and he's taken that away. No, I mean, oh, it used to be. It used to be. The new bill restores parents' rights. Is that? That, that 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 phrase is crazy. Restores parents' rights. Yeah, yeah. Like who like took them away? Like yeah. no one can take them away. Inalienable, right? Well, was it a couple of years ago? What was the subject matter? And the uh, the mantra was, "They're coming after your kids." Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember the content. A choir, and again, it was like a kids' choir or something. Yeah. Or San Francisco oh, yeah. gay choir. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's with it. The yeah. Zoom. They were all up on the. Yeah, we're coming after your kids. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's really one of the bedrocks of Catholic teaching is that parents are the first educators of their children. I think Miller says it best. It's an oxymoron, the restoration of parents' rights. Who gave them the right to take it away? It's the third precept of the natural law. Educate your children. Raise Mm -hmm. and educate and care for your children. And when a parent then sends their kid to public school, Catholic school, whatever, they are loaning that right to those teachers, correct? I mean, right. But they are still ultimately primary. the still right. Pri- I mean, like when we go before the judgment seat, if you outsourced it, you answer for it. You exactly. better know. You better know what you're outsourcing to. Yeah. You're wow. given. You're given that grace in marriage to raise and teach your children. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you. Just my experience in a, it might be because it's a smaller parish, but a traditional parish, but my daughter just went through First Communion, and I had to go through the Baltimore Catechism with them, and God bless everyone that's doing communion training. I know it's a lot of effort, a lot of time that people put in, but I, as a dad, I can't really get enthused about doing crafts on a Saturday morning. 
But when my priest says, hey, you got a test next week and your daughter needs to know this book, all of a sudden I'm dad and I'm teacher and I'm in that room with her and I'm te- and it's what a glorious experience it was. And I don't know if it's just more of a, because it was more organic and the onus was put on me, I did not outsource it to um, someone in the parish. It was your dad and you're, you're the authority in her life and you're the one that's going to make sure. And then you're frustrated because you're like, I never learned that. I never learned that. So I didn't know that. (laughs) On that note, I'm quizzing her on the way to school uh, because the test is coming up and I have my older children in the car with me and they're going, Gianna, we don't even know that. (laughs) Gianna, we don't. And I said, Guess what? Get ready, because you're getting the, the traditional <laughs> sacraments from here on out. So. Do we need to apologize to every Saturday morning craft maker? Um, I'm that not you've just thrown them. I know that it's it's hard work, and they put their hearts and souls into it, and they you know, and they're doing they're doing a good thing because a lot of parents have out just walked away from it. They don't you know they they give it out to someone else and let them do it. But what I'm saying is. The way it happened here was the responsibility was put back on me, mm. you know. And I, and the ones that we went through at other parishes with our other children, they worked hard and they tried to get us involved, but it was, it just wasn't the same because it wasn't like you got to pass this test to get communion. Mm. Um, so that you know, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, and I hope nobody takes it that I way. I just love when you tread water. Yeah. He's got so, me squirming here. He's got the hot spotlight on me. Do you remember the movie with uh, the actress Jones who played um, in the movie about Lourdes? What was the name? Jennifer Jones? Yes. And what was the... Uh, Song of Bernadette? Song of Bernadette. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the uh, scene where uh, she was supposed to be a little slow and they were doing the catechism quiz and she had brain fog, you know, which gives me hope I, <laughs> I could be anyway she didn't get and and the pastor came in and they were doing the quiz again for the pastor and he was handing out holy cards and bernadette didn't get one because she didn't answer the uh the uh question here so she didn't get a holy card but she had a vision of the blessed mother yes better better than most there that's a trade-up so i hate to put your daughter on the spot but did she pass her test she did Woo-hoo. And then she she goes to school and she's drawn asked to draw draw a picture of her worshiping God, and it's on her knees receiving communion on the tongue. Whoa! <laughs> Which wow. it took three days for the rest of the class to uh, interpret what the drawing was. Wow! Wow! <laughs> Miller, what do you got? You got any more? Um, we were going to talk about the uh, oh that that memo that cardinal memo. We had briefly discussed that a little bit. So I had pulled up some of the information about that. On the conclave? Yeah. I got a printout. What do you got? You got the up and you start. Yeah, I just got that that article pulled up. Well, to sum it up, it pulled up seven red flags that were raised by the memorandum. Uh, There was doctrinal chaos. Which I think we've we've certainly seen so plenty of let's, that. Let's uh, let's set this up, Miller. Uh, it's it's a memorandum on the next conclave circulating among the con- the cardinals, right? Yep. Secret. So, don't don't know who put it out, right? right? But it could be a cardinal himself. We don't know. Right. We don't know. I had a interesting hour long conversation over the weekend with a bishop, and he gave me his. And, and he had talked with some of his colleagues, and uh, he, 
he told me who they thought it was. I'm not going to say who it was here. We'll keep talking about it. But first off, let's explain for those that don't know what a conclave is and don't know what a cardinal is and why any of this. Can, Colleen, you give the background on that here. Oops, on what? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what's a cardinal? What's a cardinal? What's a, what's a conclave? Okay. So cardinals are are the ones who are going to elect the next pope, and they do that in a conclave. There you go. And um, so there's this document circulating around um, kind of what maybe the thinking is among some of those cardinals and what might happen at the next conclave. And why it's pertinent right now here, if anyone saw the uh, consecration live via television last week on the Feast of the Annunciation, God bless Pope Francis. He uh, is showing age. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a rumor for a while that he's sick. Is that still going around? It hasn't ceased. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. All right, Brad, give us, give us an update here on the uh, short list. What do you got? Yeah, so the, the short list, the um, seven red flags, and I, I guess I won't dig into them, but doctrinal chaos, which we've seen that, um, moral relativism, Mm-hmm. which was kind of a buzzword that uh, Benedict Sixteenth used quite a bit, trying to fight against moral relativism, which that's really just kind of modernism, right? Modernism, moral relativism. It's in the philosophical mm-hmm. realm. So that's basically what's, what's okay for you is, or what's not okay for you could be okay for me, just depending on our scenario. That'd sure. Be, that'd be relative. Mm-hmm. Um, liturgical babble, which... I, I guess they were talking about um, like the Pacamama worship, the Mother Earth stuff. Um, I I would lump, lump in with that the attack on the traditional mass. So you kind of have this all this craziness going on with with the way we worship. Mm-hmm. Um, they also say legal skullduggery, um, and that that basically is Francis has been changing the law kind of on a whim. On various things. You know, I did look that up because he's been doing that. Um, we're familiar on a civic level with um, presidents giving executive orders, right? We heard a lot about that, and it's kind of like they just make the rule. Remember Obama? I've got a pen and a phone and all the um, executive orders he signed. Well, the the similar thing in the church is the mode proprios. Right. And he has um, issued more mode proprios I think, than like the last 50 popes combined. Hmm. I didn't know that. But that's what you're talking about with this, um, him just on a whim, not on a whim, but on his own authority, you know. And the thing is, he can do that. I mean, he's the pope. He can do that. Just like presidents can issue executive orders. Mm-hmm. But there is a point where you go, hmm, in the past, why did popes or presidents not see it necessary to issue all these documents just on their own authority it's almost like you're leaving out uh everybody else and the discussion and the background and the you know and i think out of prudence they usually ran those documents through various offices to have them checked before they put them out so there wasn't confusion yes well not doing things in latin which has always been the standard so even with the consecration there was all kinds of confusion so why is that so important markham because you have a, a static language, fo- so you, you define the terms and you know what the terms mean, and you know there's you know you hear the term lost in translation. 
that doesn't happen when you're so it's all about precision precision Precision. and the fact that it's a dead language is a good thing right it doesn't keep evolving and changing the meaning of love doesn't change right and it was god's chosen language it's his favorite language so Mm -hmm. well one of the three it was his well the church adopted it as its official language that sounds like a favorite Sounds like a favorite <laughs> to me. What else for Ed? Uh, financial meltdown. Yeah. And this, I haven't looked a whole lot into this either, but it, the stuff that comes out, it sounds really bad in terms of how the Vatican's finances are doing. Um, I mean, there's there's a property in London where they lost $200 million or something along those lines that came out of the Peters Pence funds. So there's there's... Certainly plenty of that going on. And I would expect a fair amount of that would just be a matter of the church maybe contracting in certain areas. So there's going to be a loss of funds. Um, and political eclipse. So they're trying to say that the, uh, the influence of the Pope is waning. Like nobody's listening to the Pope like they used to. The Pope was the moral authority kind of on a worldwide stage. And that doesn't appear to be happening. And why do we think that that is? I can tell you just the craziness that comes out of his mouth. I I just stopped paying attention. It was, um, what do I want to say? It hurt me. Like it was, I can't believe, I'm struggling to raise six kids and he's telling me don't breed like rabbits. And he's saying that the souls of the departed just, and now he talks to this atheist friend of his that doesn't take any notes. And he says the souls of the the deceased, they just dissipate. But then he never confirms or denies. The Vatican office doesn't reply, and he just lets his friend put that kind of stuff out there. That's very devastating for the defender of tradition to be doing that sort of thing. So I tuned him out. It was like, I know what tradition teaches. I do my best to learn what tradition teaches. I do my best to follow Mm -hmm. what tradition teaches. Mm -hmm. And if he's as a private theologian saying these things, and, and we've, we've kind of taken this ultramontane view that the Pope, what, he's like an oracle. Everything he says is hmm. the gospel truth. That seems to be a relatively new 20th, 21st century phenomenon, though, doesn't it? Yeah. I think JP too, as awesome as he was, the celebrity of his papacy, because usually you didn't hear from the Pope, you know, prior to our generation, you heard from him twice a year, and that was it. Well, I think, I think the dynamic personality that was John Paul II contributed to that. But remember, contemporaneously with that was the explosion of the information age. Yep. We went from a couple of newspapers and a couple of TV channels to all kind of media, including uh, social medias and phones and, and YouTubes and podcasts and all of that. But don't you think people kind of quit listening to the church when, in the late 60s, when question authority was kind of the, Hmm. you know, word out there? You remember the Catholic Church used to put out the, Tom, you might remember what this was called, the movie ratings. Yeah, the Catholic movie. Right, A1, A2, A3, C for condemned, and People used to check that before they would go to a movie. Right. And then they got rid of that. And I don't know, it just seems like that whole question authority, do what you want, that happened, you know, Summer of Love, 68. I think Bishop's authority has been going down since then. I think we need to talk more about it, and we're bumping up against a a break here. But when we come back, let's talk about the phenomena known as use it or lose it. Mm -hmm. 
You're listening to The Chatter on FM 98.3 KCRD. This is episode number 30, did I say six? Mm-hmm. And you can hear us on uh, a podcast, um, and we're looking for someone that won't cancel us. We'll be right back after this. back in the studios you'll be listening to this after we tape it recorded whatever we do i guess we don't tape anymore here <laughs> march 28th here i know life has just zoomed by me here brad markham's in here with uh, colleen posnick i'm tom oglesby and we got uh, brad markham and we were going through the uh, memorandum on the next conclave is, and we've all got some different versions of this, but it, it all starts with DeSandro Magister. Is that correct? Is it, he's, he's the guy doing it? Or where did you get your uh, version of this, Brad? Oh, mine came off uh, Church Militant's website. And Colleen, you? Yeah, I've got the Sandra Magister, same one. Same, same one I've got here. And Brad Miller's here. I'm not here twice. When the did fog, I? fog came back a little bit. The, yeah. <laughs> well, more than a mist. It was a fog that time. Thankfully, our um, listeners are very forgiving. <laughs> they're, they're used to the mistakes after 10 years of listening to me. <laughs> All right. So we were talking here about uh, John Paul, the explosion of the information age and the media, which has amplified the importance of the Bishop of Rome in everyday life and all of that. And I'm going to pose the question to you all. What is the question here? I'm going to pose the question. Is, is, is there a uh, Thomistic principle that says, with regard to magisterial authority, use it or lose it? Well, there is a conversation about how the force of custom can become law. So it relates a little bit. I don't know about you know what he says about... Um, canon law or, or any of that sort of thing but custom so whatever is customary will take on the force of law and we're seeing that in our own times with all everything that's changing you know pushing against the natural law where it's customary to approve of gay marriage for instance and that's been the custom and now that's the morality that's the law um all right go so, deeper on so that if so you're, if you're going talking about a custom of a papal and here we go back to the 1960s like you were talking about before wasn't paul the sixth the one who took off the crown and mm-hmm. um got rid of sort of the majesty of the the monarchy that is the church mm-hmm. the authority mm-hmm. um so the custom has certainly been that and then we have these synods synod after synod after synod now we've got laity leading prayer services on so- sunday um, and there's there's people who state that that was deliberate. I mean, it's deliberate that they're trying to undermine the basically hierarchical structure of the church, which has been a Protestant attack on the church from the beginning. Miller, which say you? Well, I was thinking along those lines. I mean, we, we talk about how Francis is losing on the world stage. Nobody's listening to him. Well, he doesn't even live where the popes have always lived. He chose to live in the papal apartments. Not, not the papal apartments, I guess it was the... Francis is living in the Martha House Hotel. Santa Marta, is that right? Yeah. 
So there's two guys in the Vatican. One, both wear white. Calls himself the Bishop of Rome. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't even, so I mean, he doesn't want the authority, so therefore he doesn't get it. Got rid of the title Vicar of Christ. Right. So that's one aspect here. We've we've got it. But what what about the everyday aspect here? Just the the psychological impact. How do I want to drive at this, Colleen? If if we aren't being taught, we don't expect to be taught over a period of time. Mm-hmm. Is that is that a fair statement? I mean, if you don't if you don't teach your employees. You don't hold them accountable by giving them clear direction. Same with your with your children. This is how we do things here at the Miller home. Sure, because nature abhors a vacuum. And if the person in authority is not using their authority, then other people will step right in and either decide for themselves, which gets us moral relativism, or they'll just stop listening when the, author- um, the authority does speak. But isn't it interesting that they laid out like getting rid of the vicar of Christ. They laid down those things, but then just in the prior segment, we were talking about all these motu proprios, where it's basically hmm. uh, like legal positivism. It's just a confusing. It's con- so. What is it? Do do you? It's almost like you want to lay down the majesty of the church, but still use the authority. Mm-hmm. You know, in a, in a social. So I got to re- uh, rewind. I mentioned in the last segment that I received a phone call over the weekend from a bishop, which I always enjoy taking the call. But I was somewhat taken back by his, uh, after we exchanged introductions and pleasantries, his, his question to me, Colleen, was, as he was talking with some of his colleagues, they wanted to know what the reason for the tremendous decline in church attendance was. And then he prefaced it by, well, we all know that the church homosexual abuse scandals have contributed to that, but it does not seem to account for the entire absence of the laity. And I think we'd have to agree with that. There are, we all know some yep. that are not coming back to church, will never come back to church because they no longer trust the clergy based on the homosexual predation that went on. But that was back in 2002. That was 20 years ago. Well, I made his, the comment I made to him was that 2002 was rather a non event for me. This is what I mean by that. And maybe I'm the only one. But were you shocked when the Boston Globe in 2002 did their spotlight expose? Who, were you caught off guard by that? You know, we all know it's been going on, so in that regard, not caught off guard. But I was caught off guard by the amount of it. Really? Miller, by how about you? I was in, uh, in college at Clark and not paying any attention. Markham? Same here. They're so young. That, that's Except the uh, cross of being the oldest guy in the room. I, I, w- I was not shocked by that. But we were raised in the malaise of basically being raised to be bad Catholics. I mean, it, talking about the outsourcing before, we we went and got our education outsourced, and we got modernism. And So I agreed with the bishop that his premise, and along with his friends, that the spotlight on predation was contributing and and he says but 
we're grasping for what else is going on. I said, well... Seriously? Yeah, yeah. They didn't know? No. And I said, well, I think this is it. And, and he says, well, well, tell me. I says, the church is no longer relevant. Oh, I was thinking differently. No. I, 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 if That's it, part of it, sure. It's, I think the biggest contributor here is what I was trying to set Markham up with. Use it or lose it. If you no longer are the oracle of morality, of tradition, of scripture, if you're not teaching it, you no longer have a relevant voice. Who's listening to you? Who's coming on Saturday mornings to your child's communion catechism to make some felt banner and say, all right, now you're ready to receive Jesus? Hmm. Really? Who's generation after generation? I heard another commentary over there that priests are afraid to talk to the congregation about the sin of abortion because more than one out of three women in the congregation have had an abortion. Better to hear it here on earth for the first time than it is at your immediate judgment. Yeah. And how often in those abortion stories do you hear stories of women berating a person who corrects them on it? And then 10 years later, they come back thanking them for yeah. uh, well, sure. bringing the, them back to the church. At the top of the meeting here, I just read the Divine Mercy celebration on Sunday, April 24th. God is merciful. He can absolutely merciful handle all of that. But, but I, I think the... Uh, no, I was just going to say, but we want the people, the Catholics want to hear on those hard subjects because if the priest doesn't say anything all we hear is what the world says and there's no no counter argument and you can talk about those things in a way that is not condemning or judgmental you can talk about god's mercy like you just said god's mercy can forgive any sin no sin is too great mm-hmm. you know the importance of the sacrament of confession and if if you've been carrying this burden for all these years please Make an appointment and come and talk to me. I mean, you can you can discuss it in a way that is uh, welcoming people back. I think people have lost sight of the difference between judgment and condemnation. Hmm. They've lost sight of... Ju- Do you know what I mean, Miller? Yeah, but, I mean, elaborate kind of what you're... Well, <laughs> it's either a fair ball or a fall. The judgment is abortion is intrinsically evil. There's one man, the God-man, who can do condemn you. I can't. Sure. None of us can. But we know the judgment is, this is a hot stove. Don't touch it. And I think we've, we've lost. To your point, Colleen, if the church continues to sound like the rest of the world, why leave the world to come to the church on Sunday? And if they, and if they don't want to sound like the rest of the world, then all we hear is the world. Exactly. Well, I'm thinking if that bishop is confused about why people are not coming back, well, they made it optional. Yeah. March of 2020, they made it optional. And yeah. in a lot of places, it was optional for a year or longer. Mm-hmm. So once they, once they let that cat out of the bag... You could almost hear the light bulb going on while he was on the phone, Colleen. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I, I keep thinking of Father Heilman, 
when he came and spoke for KCRD a couple of years back and said in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, the church laid down its weapons. So referring to the rosary, mm. referring to the traditional mass. Um, and in doing so, and I know we've talked about this, Tom, where does culture come from? Is culture downstream from the church or is the church downstream from the culture? Because you'll hear, I've heard clergy say, well, the culture changed and you know we just can't get them back in. Well, that's because we stopped being militant. Culture's downstream from the church. Politics is downstream from the culture. Mm-hmm. But you just have recently got a book called The Index of Leading Catholic Index. You were looking for it. You were I swiveling. I couldn't, I couldn't find it. I put it. it on the shelf on the... But the, the decline in church attendance has been going on a long time. Right. Yeah. This is not nothing. This is nothing new. However, after, during COVID, when they said you can just watch... You just watch TV on your screen. Uh, the number coming back is half of what it used to be. Right. So. So and, th- and that's. It just accelerated. That's how this phone call un- unwound because before the lockdowns, at best, one out of four was coming. That's twenty to twenty-five percent, depending on where you were and what what it was. Now the lockdown. After the lockdown, we're lucky to get. I've seen anywhere 50, the highest number I've seen is 57%, roughly half of the one in four. That makes it one in eight. That's eight, 10, 12% of the people that are coming. Trajectory, because we have not yet talked about the consecration. So is there, there's one, one lady that, that rules the universe that may be able to, to fix all of this mess that we put ourselves in. And that's I just, I, I just, and if you follow the readings here uh, during Lent here, it's it's Jeremiah and the Psalms, and this is a stiff-necked people. You talked about Sodom and Gomorrah earlier, Markham. I mean, it's, it's it's we are stiff-necked people. All of us are. The company putting out most kids' content is pushing for this thing in Florida, pushing to overturn this bill in Florida. And we I mean, just seem to lap it up like it's vanilla ice cream. There's no pushback. We're just talking about it. When the shepherd, what's the stick he carries when he's not? The crook. The crook. Crozier. Is it the crozier? That's the bishop. Oh. Who did you say? The, <laughs> the shepherd. shepherd. The oh. shepherd. Well, I meant the bishop, but hmm. either way, when he puts down the stick. So it was set up with my comment. If you don't use it, do you lose it? And my conclusion is... Yes, and yes. that's that's what I told uh, this bishop. And did he did he understand that? Did he agree? I, I telling you, I could hear the light bulb going off uh, on 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 the on the phone there. Another example of evangelizing the clergy. We have a nine point plan. We can send them right. Yeah, polish that puppy up. <laughs> Is you it do? finished? Not officially. Oh. <laughs> I don't know about this nine-point plan. It's pretty simple. Yeah, it you, is. You composed it, so you... We'll have to save that. We're, we're bumping up on uh, the end of segment three. We'll have to do that the uh, next episode, the nine-point plan. Are you going to quiz us today <laughs> on something? or? Well, since we were talking so much about the Pope, I, I thought I'd quiz you all about the Pope. Go for it. Is that all right? You got two minutes. Okay, and it is, I mean, these are some pretty simple questions. I should find tougher questions. Okay, so this uh, question, these questions are coming from A Brief Catechism for Adults, A Complete Handbook on How to Be a Good Catholic by Father William Coggan. And Lesson 18 is about the Pope, the Vicar of Christ. 
Mm-hmm. Look at he uses the title. Can I ask a Pope question before we get into those? Because sure. I had the thought earlier, I was kind of wondering, does anybody know what number we're on? 266? Okay, I was going to guess 265. Right around there. Okay. Nice. Yeah. It's if you count Avignon. <laughs> oh. Plus or minus, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did we ever figure out who the Pope was there? Or? Don't ask questions. He's stalling. He doesn't want to answer <laughs> the questions. Those are yeah. going to be easy, and none of us are going to be able to answer No, them. no, so really, that. really. Although they might work up to be a little harder, but there's only the nine of them. She can answer. So. Yeah. Yeah, all right. I'll give, you, I'll give you clues if I need to. So what did Jesus do to make sure his church would always be united? Well, he did the high priestly prayer in uh, John. He gave the papacy. He gave us the papacy. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. That's what the topic is. The papacy gave the papacy. Oh. So who is the Pope? Not like the name. Like, uh, he is it. he visible, invisible? Is he... The visible head of Christ. Visible head of the church. Who was the first Pope? Peter. Peter. See, I told you guys. Yeah. These are going to be easy. When did Jesus promise to make Peter the Pope? You can quote me the scripture if you want to. It's 16, 8, Matthew sixteen eighteen. Very good. Mm-hmm. Wow. Brad's good. When did he actually make Peter the first pope? Uh, like when he, he was, after he resurrected, he said, oh, pulled sure. him aside and yep. after said, the feed re- my lamb, feed my feed sheep. My sheep. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. After the resurrection and before the ascension. Did Peter's authority die with him? No. No. Nope. The keys. The keys. Okay, so these are extra bonus points if you can name the next three popes after Peter. Oh, yeah, it's in the Roman canon. It's in the Roman canon. The second guy Linus, had Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius, Chrysogenus, John and Paul, Cosmos and Damian. Very good. Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> We'd believe you even if you were wrong. So. Fauci. One more question here. You're, no, don't, don't, oh, no. Yep, oh, that's the last one, sorry. You're canceled now. Mm-hmm. So the last question. Can the Pope uh, teach an error when he's talking about faith and morals? No. 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 And does anyone want to add to that? If he speaks ex cathedra, that is from the chair, he is free from moral uncertainty or error you know bishop schneider adds a little bit to that he says and it needs to be in continuity with what the church has always taught yes sure correct right yeah that's the other part of that answer not not the uh the -hmm. development of dogma or what what's that oh my gosh so who judges when it falls outside of that Markham. Be the Pope. Yep, Markham. The later Pope. Markham. A later Markham. Pope. I'll make a judgment. Future council. <laughs> You're listening to the chatter. This is episode 36. We're recording on the 28th day of March. You'll hear it the first weekend here in April, which is the fifth weekend of, of uh, Lent. And we're out of time, Colleen. Sorry. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Glory be. To the Father, to the Father and, and to, to the, the Son, and to the, the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. As, As it was in the beginning, beginning is, is now, and ever shall be. be. World without end. Amen. I'm Tom Oglesby. Colleen Pasnick. Brad Miller. Brad Markham. Tune in next week. We love you.